Greetings to you wherever you sit, stand, swim, fly, or whatever it is you choose to do with your body. Welcome to this very special Australian Psychedelic Society podcast. My name is Nick Wallace and I will be your host. We're planning on doing a series of these and uh, in preparation to release many to you, please do subscribe to our podcast. And we're going to start today with uh, Ben Lee, singer, songwriter, producer, composer, activist, lover of big ideas. Uh, Ben Lee has just released a uh, new song, Born for This Bullshit, um, with a fantastic little uh, video clip where Ben uh, gets it all off um, to let you know that he was indeed... I was born for this bullshit. Born for this bullshit. Ben Lee is one of many advocates among Australia's creative community for the psychedelic or the altered states. And we're going to start in the obvious place, the beginning. And where did you begin to get interested in psychedelics, Ben? What first piqued my interest into psychedelics and when? I mean, I suppose it was growing up being aware of like 60s counterculture and beat culture. I mean, obviously in music, as soon as you learn about sort of the history of rock and roll, you become aware of LSD and marijuana and, you know, but then going deeper into the beat stuff and particularly like Ginsberg and Burroughs, their interest in ayahuasca and peyote and, um, you know, more sort of some of the more obscure substances were just, it just interested me. Do you find psychedelics have a capacity to induce a flow state in which creative ideas or inspiration seem to pour through you uh, when your thinking mind is uh, attenuated psychedelically, Ben? I think it's it's tricky. I try not to be like too prescriptive or absolute about what psychedelic experiences can be or are or might be for me or for some people. I mean, I generally think of them as more like mirrors or more like dreams where they have the capacity to be everything and anything depending on how you show up to them. Um, The thing I keep coming back to with psychedelics is that I think they're fun and that may sound reductive to some people but the spirit of fun and enjoyment in a childlike way, like connecting back to something innocent in one's own mind and heart is not to be underestimated or, de- or devalued in terms of importance. Now, you made an album devoted to ayahuasca called Welcome to the Work. What are your thoughts on the role of psychedelics in inspiring or facilitating creative output? Yeah, it's tricky with creative creative input uh, output. I mean, there are, there are uh, as many people that have never used anything mind altering and created incredibly dynamic, surreal, out there work. Um, yet, you can't. I try and look at it like very pragmatically. Like at the end of the day, every culture, as far as I'm aware, except maybe for. Inuit culture, but every culture has had some kind of psychoactive relationship with psychoactive plants, and artists have used them um, in, you know, in all art forms. So they seem to have a role to play. 
Sorry, that's a it's a very evasive answer, I guess. I just, um, I, I guess, again, I'm reluctant in sort of like saying that they're definitely useful or definitely important to facilitating creative output because mostly creative output for me is done entirely sober. Um, but But there can be inspiration from those experiences for sure. The artwork for that album is by your wife. Do psychedelics play a role in your relationship? Yeah, I think, I mean, in general, I frame psychedelics, they fall under the sort of title of self-care. And self-care in general aids care of your relationships and marriage. I mean, if you are, you know, it's the classic thing of like a room of one's own Virginia Woolf. Like if you take the time and the space to get to know yourself and to express yourself and to explore, you generally bring something a little more fully formed and a little less sort of codependent or needy into your relationship. So in that sense, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, I don't look at it, we don't do it in terms of like as marriage therapy or, you know, I've heard a lot of those types of things. For me, it's more like a personal thing that, that as I heal, it makes me a better husband or a better partner. Right now you're listening to the Australian Psychedelic Society podcast where we're speaking with artist, musician and um, psychedelic extraordinaire, Ben Lee. Do you have a preferred compound that you use for creative work? Yeah, like I'm not really like a controlling person that believes, oh, I take an apple and an orange and then I have them in the morning and that gives me this exact... You know, like a lot of people are very sort of routine-like with their relationship to altering consciousness and stuff too, I'm much more like you stumble into different chapters and they can inform the method of play or the the style of play that results. How is your role as a death doula informed by your experiences with these medicines for the soul? Yeah, the whole death doula, death midwifery thing... Um, was very connected to psychedelics for me. I was doing a lot of like sort of support roles in ayahuasca ceremonies. Like uh, they called, we called it being an angel. Basically one of the people that helped helped people as they were in their experiences. And and, and I realized that that particular skill set in that type of work was something that I didn't have much practice in because my my role as like an entertainer or even as a friend has been very like big like I've been, I've I've wanted to make my presence as big as possible, and that's sort of how I would measure the success of my engagement with the task. You know, if I'm on a stage, I want everyone to know I'm there. I want to be, you know, I want to be on their mind. I want my songs to be getting to. Them. When you're in that situation in the support role, you basically want to be as unobtrusive as possible, because, you know, I have the belief that these processes are like whether it's death or psychedelics they're incredibly personal and they're moving to their own rhythm and they don't actually require a ton of intervention they just require support like protection of physical safety like having your basic needs met so that you can engage with a very personal process so for me studying how to support people dying and how to support people in psychedelic experiences they were very connected and very similar Ben, do you envision a model in which psychedelics could be best integrated into our modern Western society in a way that's respectful, reciprocal, ethical, 
and egalitarian? I mean, this is the question. Like, while I support the idea of, like, you know, these fashionable ideas about, like, microdosing and pharmaceutical use and hospice use and all of that, I also am concerned that our need to dominate and control these compounds and these plants uh, is going to ultimately like neuter them in some sense and that that we're looking for ways to incorporate psychedelics in a way that puts us more in control and I'm just not sure that for me that defeats the purpose a little bit that's just my own personal thing but again I'm not using them like like I don't my experience hasn't been like using them like antidepressants or anything it's more like using them to create a state of awe or to get in touch with that so in that sense the whole microdosing thing it feels like it undercuts the ability to bring you to your knees um so you know i don't know the answer to that i I think for me i like to represent the type of person who seeks awe and seeks uh, humbling and seeks like devastation in a sense rather than who seeks like the sort of like responsible moderate pharmaceutical experience or something like that having a responsible pharmaceutical experience so do you see a contemporary revival of psychedelic plant use as able to reclaim our rites of passage our, which our society seems to have lost we don't don't really have Um, such as initiation, uh, the role of respected elders, um, these sorts of things in the process. Yeah, yeah. I do think that they, psychedelics can, can be a powerful part of rites of passage and of both reflecting on where we've been and on making certain decisions about the way we're going to proceed in the future, which is, I think all of that is like a rites of passage type conversation. Um, I think they, they force us to take stock um, of the good and the bad and the impact we've had on people around us and on our planet and on ourselves and our families and our loved ones and our kids and our parents and, and, that's the humbling part I'm talking about, that seeing yourself as, as a small part of a larger system, but also one in which the decisions we make are profoundly important and impactful and real. I, um, I do think that naturally does kind of bind you to your lineage in a certain sense. I mean, I've had experiences reflecting on lineage, both in terms of family, um, spiritual lineage, but also cultural lineage to do with art and to do with, um, how do I say it, like types of people, like archetypal, like, like, like methods of approaching life, like realizing, for instance, that there is a lineage of radical thought of people that seek ideas that challenge them and how we, and, and like learning how to interact with radical thought responsibly is really big. Like if you look at all the conspiracy theorists and everything now, I think they're people who for the most part seek to engage with radical thought, which is not an unhealthy aspiration. It's just so uncontained and so ungrounded that they end up um, 
basically engaging with fantasy. An important comment there on the the power and allure of radical thought and the importance of being responsible with radical thought because uh, the, the mystical mindsets, the psychedelic mindsets are uh, can can provide many challenges, many uh, insights. Um, but it, it you know it's up to us to to integrate these experiences and, and really probe what it means for us. So how important is ritual to you in the working uh, with psychedelic medicines? Ritual has been important. I'm much more skeptical of it at this point in my life, but I think that's also might just be to do with that I I feel like I've matured enough to the point that I trust my own ability to create ritual in my own language in whatever way. Like the idea of prayers and mantras and spells and all these kind of things that come from other people's cultures. Like at a certain point in my life, they started striking me as sort of absurd for me to engage with because maybe it's cultural appropriation or maybe it's just that like it's like using someone else's science when I feel quite capable at this point of responsibly discerning between fact and fiction. You know, obviously it gets tricky and it gets slippery, but I don't necessarily think the answers are going to be found through someone else's rituals. Do you have any thoughts on the term entheogen versus the term psychedelic? Are these both too loaded with social stigma or theological connotations for entheogen? Just for those who don't know, entheogen means sort of manif- like manifesting the, the deity, manifesting the gods, while psychedelics is manifesting the mind. I mean, entheogen is just a, a phrase that a lot of people haven't heard. Like I used the term um, in a song of mine on the Beers for Beer soundtrack, and I remember Paul F. Tompkins, a great comedian, really a brilliant mind, was like, oh, I've never heard that word before. So... I think in some ways it like, yes, it, it can serve to dismantle preconceptions that people have, but it also like puts you back in conversation. Like, like I think the word psychedelic is actually like kind of a great word. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like, I do think we have to somewhat reclaim it because you don't want it just to be people thinking about like, people going to music festivals, you know, touching the brown acid or whatever. But but, but the word psychedelic, to me, doesn't feel tainted in any, like, permanent way. I think, um, I think we can, I think we can use that. I think it's effective. I, I think just starting the conversation from scratch is, uh, might be a little counterproductive. Do you see psychedelic plants as conveying or imparting a certain ethos? Uh, do, do you feel there is an inherent message of altruism or cooperation or being our best selves in that experience? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I've heard that. Obviously, I, I think sometimes there's also a projection onto these compounds that, like... It's like what gurus do too. Like gurus take credit for an internal experience that a devotee or a seeker is having. I think sometimes we give the the substances or the, the compounds credit for something that the human psyche is actually able to do with under the right conditions. And yes, I do think there are different flavors of experience and different energies and different you know, maybe that does include different messages or something, but 
I don't, I, I think a lot of it is what we bring to it. And I've seen, you know, there's people that have lost it with psychedelics and with plant medicines that have, and have gone, like I've, I've certainly seen people make non-altruistic decisions or non-cooperative decisions after experiences with psychedelic plants. So I don't think it's like inherent necessarily, necessarily within them, but I, I think those, I think altruism and cooperation are like their wise mindsets to take going into psychedelic experiences. Like I think if you want to do the Charles Manson thing and basically cultivate the sort of psychic phenomena of being a messiah to your community, psychedelics will probably help you do that too. But I just think it's ultimately like not the brightest move. As a species, we have real challenges that we need to face. And I don't think more gurus and people prostrating in front of them and all of that is and and hierarchies is really the answer to it so i just it's not that like i think it's like like you can have those experiences like messianic experiences that place the the seeker at the center of a drama of like a cosmic drama but i just don't think that's what's needed now and i don't think we should be chasing those experiences Ben, I'm feeling like you're a man after my heart and soul with some of these comments. Uh, absolutely agree that uh, it's really important what we bring to it uh, rather than trying to sort of uh, contrive scenarios uh, where, where we think we're going to get the, the most out of it. Although, of course, um, preparing yourself and preparation on set and setting are vitally important. So what are your hopes for this psychedelic renaissance as it is presently unfolding? You know, my hopes are not particularly around psychedelics. I think that, that it's almost like psychedelics are a lens for talking about other things. Um, for instance, this sort of right-wing talking point about freedom um, and about freedom on social media or something like that, like deplatforming right-wing people and all that, like... Ultimately, I think the conversation they want to be having at a deeper level is about freedom of thought and psychedelics do play into that. And we do have freedom of thought and we should have freedom of thought. We, I don't believe we necessarily need to have freedom of expression as a society for every impulse. Like, I think actually part of what protects our friends and our neighbours and communities is like being discerning over what we share with each other Um I don't see like a totally unfettered society with no filtration of ideas as being the healthiest society. But I do think freedom of mind is really important. And, um, and obviously I think um, harmony with our planet is really important. And I think that for the most part, um, people who have semi-regular psychedelic experiences seem to have an appreciation for their place within an ecosystem. And so I really hope that psychedelics are like, that the conversation around psychedelics is almost like a, you know, there's that like Raymond Carver title, what we really talk about when we talk about love. It, it could also be like what we really talk about when we talk about psychedelics. Like we're really talking about both freedom of mind and heart and humility within our ecosystem. Um, I think somewhere the combination of those two things, which psychedelics can be like an entry point to and a, a, and 
a sort of um, a symbol of um, is where their value in the present moment might lie. Really important comments. And I just want to uh, second what you've said about uh, the importance of, of really delving into these ideas of what freedom is. It's, uh, it, it's so often talked about, it's almost become a buzzword, but freedom is not just doing anything you want all the time. Uh, I think that's where we become unstuck. And I think you've really, um, you know, highlighted that and illuminated that. And I really appreciate uh, hearing from you today, Ben Lee, as part of our Psychedelic Society podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. subscribe to our newsletter which includes all updates from us including events articles and other information my name is nick wallace you can find me on social media if you want to get in touch and i'm head of the melbourne aps chapter so if you're in melbourne let's have a chat sometime mm-hmm.